Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to another Arsblog Arscast on Arsblog.com, funnily enough, in association with my good friends at ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk, home of authentic football kits from all over the world. No replicas, it's the real deal. So check out ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. On this week's show, we have got, as usual, Arsene Wenger-Hawkins. We have a long chat, a rather in-depth chat, with Amy Lawrence about the young players and uh, the whole concept of of youth at Arsenal. Uh, As well as that... The man in the bar will be here with another player history. And uh, given the length of this, we'll try and get round to some of your questions and comments that you've left. Most of them have been about the youth players, and hopefully we'll have addressed all your uh, all your questions in the, in the chat with Amy. Now, this time last week, um, we were talking to the Mug Smasher, my brother, uh, about the upcoming Cup games, with the FA Cup game and the Carling Cup game. And he was confident that Liverpool would win uh, on Saturday in the FA Cup game. And given our record going to the to the Northwest and our away form at times this season, and without Sesk, I, you could see where he was coming from. But the boys went there on Saturday and uh, played out of their skins, really took their chances very well. Great to see Rosicki score uh, two goals, two fantastic goals at that as well. Uh, Henri, how nice is it to see him back in the team? And we said it last week that, you know, a fit and hungry Thierry Henri back in your team can make a big, big difference. And when we needed the game killing off, there he was to do it. It could have got a bit hairy when they got their, when they got their goal back. Uh, big hats off to Jersey Dudek, who was Arsenal's best player on the night. Well done to you, sir. And, uh, of course, the mug smasher was not at all happy. Then on Tuesday night, it was the Carling Cup, uh, the game that was postponed before Christmas because of fog. Uh, again, Nobody really expected us to win. When you looked at the squad that was announced earlier in the day, it seemed like it was going to be a tall task. Liverpool certainly played an understrength team, uh, but that's not to say they didn't have plenty of uh, quality players in there. We played a lot of young kids as well. So I think the two teams were very evenly matched. And uh, again, it was just sensational. Six goals, four from Baptista, which is something we'll touch on in the, in the, uh, in the chat with Amy. And really to go there and do what we did at Anfield uh, twice, with two completely different teams, more or less, is just very, very impressive and, and uh, uh, says a lot about the, the quality we have at the club, irrespective of how uh, Liverpool might have played or what sort of team they put out. Lots of people have emailed during the week and asked if it's possible that the Mug Smasher might have uh, some comment, a bit of a po- uh, post-mortem, so to speak. Um, but uh, so far, it's it's not been forthcoming. I've asked him three or four times if he, if he might uh, feel like saying something. Uh, I have a, a sense, knowing my brother, that... The words fuck and off might feature quite highly if he did have something to say, but uh, I don't think we'll be hearing from him. I suppose when Arsenal take on Liverpool in the league at Anfield, uh, maybe we'll, we'll have something to say, or maybe he'll have something to say then. Okay, so let's move on to this week's uh, blog chat. 
this week I spoke to Amy Lawrence from The Observer, and as always, Amy had uh, plenty to say. I managed to get a word in edgeways uh, once or twice. So the uh, block chat is broken down into two parts. In the two parts, we discuss uh, the performances of the team in the Carlin Cup and in the FA Cup, uh, the youth system at Arsenal, uh, the credit that the manager deserves and, and the, the team led by Liam Brady deserve, and we talk about maybe some of the up-and-coming youngsters, which ones are going to be maybe fast-tracked into the first team. We also touch on Thierry Henry and Julio Baptista and his uh, performance against Liverpool on Tuesday night. Uh, so there's plenty to talk about. So without further ado, here's part one of this week's blog chat. So now this week on the Arscast, we welcome back uh, Amy Lawrence. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Um, I'm going to start, and I hope you don't mind me doing this, because uh, last week when I asked you to come on uh, the Arscast this week, you said, and I quote, I'll only do it on the promise one day I can come on when we're full of the joys. I have a feeling next week could be a bit of a depression, uh, giving our usual brio in the north and three northwest trips in a week. Um, I don't think anybody expected you know, the two games at Anfield to go as well as they did. Somebody said to me uh, yesterday, what odds would you have had on Arsenal winning both cup games at Anfield? Never mind by the, the score lines and performances um, that came with it. So, uh, it, absolutely stunning, all the more so from coming from um, a position where probably nobody expected that. No Liverpool supporter, no Arsenal supporter, and probably not even Arsene, even though it's very nice for him to turn around and say, well, you know, this is what was always in these players and this is why I don't buy anyone in the transfer window. And he's entitled to feel a little bit smug. Um, but astonishing to see the, the shadow team um, emulate the first team in quality of performance as well as, uh, uh, as attitude and resilience. It was just amazing to see the way that they wanted to keep going forward and as well as keeping possession that there was a, a terrific... Um, uh, quality of offensive play. It was an absolute joy to watch. Um, as someone pointed out on, on our blog, if you look at the team that we didn't play, if you look, we had Lehman, Ubuwe, Senderos, Galas, Clichy, Hleb, Gilberto, Flamini, Rositsky, uh, Van Persie, Henri, with subs, Adibayor, Lauren, Jumberg and Poom. It just puts it you know, really into perspective. The kids did amazingly well, didn't they? They were helped, I think, a little bit by Liverpool, who weren't, who weren't particularly good, but uh, you've got to take your chances when they're given to you. Yeah, Liverpool weren't particularly good, but I think anybody looking at the two lineups prior to kick-off would say they were relatively evenly matched in terms of experience. And um, the fact that Arsenal were going there as an away team, uh, you'd like to think when you've got, your, you know, some inexperienced players playing at, playing at home would probably help them. Um, probably makes the achievement even greater from Arsenal's point of view. So I think it, I, I think watching the TV and listening to the way that some of the commentators and, and analysts were going on about it, it was quite frustrating to hear that it was so much about the disaster for Liverpool. Um, and I do think that perhaps uh, some of our pl young players weren't given the credit that they deserve. For somebody like Traore, who's 17 years of age, to go up to Anfield and play in front of 45,000 people um, you know, with, with still some opponents on the pitch that included four periods, Luis Garcia, Gerard, Gonzalez, albeit briefly, um, Javi Alonso, you know, they were, it, it was not a nothing Liverpool side with nothing players in it. And I, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. You forget that someone like Johan Juru, who was playing against um, Bellamy and Fowler, who have terrific experience between them, is still 19 years of age. And I thought he was 
first class. You know, there's no way that you can do anything other than say hats off to this team. And I think people who are uh, nitpicking a bit, it wasn't a great Liverpool side and they didn't do very well. Well, part of that was because Arsenal went 4-1 up by half-time and they didn't do that by not playing fantastic football. That's true. So I, I think what we're maybe... Um... What we're seeing is is the benefit of it's a very deliberate policy, obviously, by Arsene to invest in the academy. Um, I don't think he could have foreseen the, the the Chelsea investment, but obviously this was a long term plan. And when you look back and and when he first came to the club, the likes of uh, you know Reese Weston and and uh, Vernazza and those sort of young players that people were talking up at the time. And then you get to a stage where you've got uh, the likes of Sidwell and Harper and Vaults that can go and make a good career. Career, you know, at Premiership level with with other clubs, are we now seeing the next stage of the development where the players that we're producing are becoming, you know, good enough to get into our first team? That's the, the long term goal. Um, the, the shorter term goal is to produce players capable of making a good career for themselves and also perhaps making some money for, for Arsenal along the way, which maintains this investment in the youth policy. And if you look at the fact that. Um, Stokes, who, who was sold the other day to Sunderland, uh, is obviously a promising player and ho- hopefully he'll have a great future for himself in the game. But Arsenal still got themselves a couple of million pounds for a player who's never played for the team. Now, that, that funds the youth policy for some time to come. Uh, Sebastian Larson, who's going to stay on at Birmingham, there'll be another half a million quid coming in. And it all adds up. You know, a lot of these players who have moved on um, for, you know, around a million or a couple of million, the Volters and Sigwells, as you mentioned. That's that's a, a great credit to Arsenal system as well. Obviously, the next step is to create players who are going to be good enough for the first team, but I think you're seeing that. I, who can tell me that Juru is not good enough for Arsenal's first team? I think he can play at any level, and I think he's only going to get better. Cesc Fabregas, obviously, is a similar case. And if you look at the team from yesterday, the entire back four cost virtually nothing and came at a very young age to the club. I mean, that's an extraordinary thing. Seth Fabregas cost virtually nothing. There seems to be a, a two-tier system, if you like, to the youth development in that some of the players come through fantastic scouting um, and there's a negligible fee involved for them. Nicholas Bentner, for example, didn't really cost the club anything to bring him over from Copenhagen when he's 16 years of age. Um, Hopefully, he's going to go on to be the real deal for Arsenal. If not, he's going to be a £5 million, £6 million player that somebody else invests in. Um, the other aspect to the youth policy is, is buying what Arsenal thinks is the cream of young talent around when they're young enough, before they become 25, 30 million players like Ronald Dino or something, i.e. Danielson, who costs £4 million quid. That's not nothing. Uh, Walcott, obviously, costing £5 million to go up to whatever it ends up being. Um, GRB uh, costing about £4 million as well. So that's the other side of the system where that was what Benitez was complaining about. But, you know, that was a, f- a factuous argument where you know, he spent plenty of money on players himself. It's just we happened to spend that money on them when they were a little bit younger. I mean, even Van Persie, if you think about a player like him, he was, what, two, two and a half million to, to buy him at 19, 20 years of age. And I, I, I think that it's that picking up players when they've got potential and when they're affordable that uh, obviously was the whole basis for how Arsene thought he could produce a winning team um, while the new stadium and financial restrictions were taking place. Uh, we're po- 
possibly seeing the fruits of that early in that nobody would have expected Arsenal to reach the Champions League final last season. Um, and even though there have been some teething troubles this year, um, perhaps the situation hasn't been what everybody would hope for, um, there's no question that there's so much potential in this team. And you're going to get a, a few problems along the way with young players. I mean, you, know, you can argue that the three goals conceded last night were were really ropey. And on another day, when you're not so clinical up front, you, you might get punished by having young players. And obviously, the other thing is that the players are, are, are boosting themselves and motivated for the for the big teams. And they're struggling sometimes with the Sheffield United and the Fulhams. You know, so... Somewhere along the line, they've got to find that consistency, and that's the next challenge. But you can't say that there's nothing but encouragement about the fact that they'll get there because the science is so promising. Okay, I mean, is it a case? I mean, that there have been during the season criticisms of the manager and criticisms of the team, and the fact that uh, you know maybe we're missing a bit of experience, and and the balance that we you know we've spoken about before between youth and experience is, is still not quite right. Uh, he's not going to change his policy now, is he? Having gone so far down the road with these young players, he's not now going to turn around and buy an experience to, to get in their way. So the fans, no way. Really, yeah, the fans, we've got to be, uh, if we're not going to win the league uh, this year or maybe next year, it is a matter of, of being patient, isn't it, until these guys really click together? I think the fans have been reasonably patient because actually over the last couple of seasons, um, three seasons really domestically, two and a half seasons if you want to call it that, there has been a lot of ups and downs. Um, and yes, people get, get frustrated and, you know, after bad defeats and stuff, everybody comes out and uh, the doomometers in, in overdrive. But, you know, there has always been, all through that time, enough signs. Um, and I admire Arsene so much for the patience that he has shown because obviously he's the one that gets the flack. You know, when... Uh, the results go uh, against Arsenal and he has to go sometimes up north and lose to a Sheffield United and things like that. And it must be so miserable. You can see it in his body language. He just looks like he's in the most excruciating pain watching it. And he knows he's got to absorb it and take it on the chin. And he's so firm in his convictions that this is the way forward. And he knows, he has this vision that it will come true. And I think he's got the track record that when he has these kind of visions we have to back him on it um and if it means that he gets stick along the way and he gets the brunt of it from the press and uh, he, he he knows that but he feels he's old enough to take it as long as it doesn't get thrown at the players one one point that i was going to touch on was that uh that when a when a young player uh, or when the young players don't perform, it's very easy to write them off as, as being not good enough, uh, which a lot of people will do. At the same time, when, <clears throat> for example, they have a good game, we'll take Ali Adier from yesterday. Now, until last night, there wouldn't be anybody that said the, the, the boy has a, a future at Arsenal. Is there a danger of sort of overplaying how good they are uh, uh, when they're good and over-exaggerating over how bad they are when they don't perform. That's the price of, of youth. And I think there have been occasions when Arsene can sometimes judge a player quite quickly um, on the basis of performances. If you look at certain players, even a Pennant or a Bentley in the past few years, I think sometimes the young players put themselves under so much pressure to perform when they get a premiership start because they know it's such a rarity and they've got such a lot of... Um, pressure to show what they can do with the big boys 
uh, I don't know. I, I think I think that that doesn't help sometimes. And I still believe somebody like Bentley was perhaps uh, judged a little bit too quickly. And I think he might still have done a, a good job for Arsenal. I think he's a good player. Um, and we let him go for a million pounds and. Leb is effectively playing in that position. He was a £10 million player, and those are the kind of balancing acts that Arsene's making all the time. And he's always looking for the million-pound player rather than the £10 million player or the player that's that's free and has come through the ranks. Um, but very, very seldom does a young player come in and just be brilliant straight away and stay brilliant. And that's been the case with someone like Fabregas, who is an exceptional talent. And... Um, to do that in the centre of midfield just defies belief, really. But the, the, there's enough signs from the players around him that there's a real golden generation coming through. And if the team can, can keep together, and it is encouraging to think of how much they can learn from the Henri's and the Gallas's uh, and so on. I mean, I, I thought it was particularly heartwarming to see uh, Diaby come on again yesterday yeah. after a long period out. And, and he's a player who I think really potentially could be a massive player for Arsenal. And uh, I remember feeling quite excited when he signed because I'd been fortunate enough to see him playing in the French junior teams and he absolutely took my breath away and just looked like the spit of Vieira. Um, And we've got to give these players time to evolve and to breathe. And it's very seldom that an entire squad of young players comes through at the same time and is capable. If you look at what you're up against domestically, experience-wise, in terms of Chelsea and Man United, um, it, it would be exceptional for them to come through as, an, as a group and be good enough while they're still very young to win the league. And I'm sure that balancing act between the youth and experience is going to continue to be an issue. OK, that's part one of this week's Blog Chat with Amy Lawrence. Part two coming up a little bit later on. What I'll do now is look at a few of the questions that you lot have uh, sent in over the week. I haven't uh, been able to get through all of them, but uh, hopefully try and, and get around to yours. And a lot of the questions that have been asked uh, have been addressed in, in the chat with Amy. Uh, Mrs. Wu says, I know Wenger and his worldwide network of scouts find some awesome talent, but will youngsters be wary of Arsenal if they see Wenger letting the likes of Stokes go? Uh, which is an interesting point. You send a guy out on loan, he scores 16 goals. What more can he do to convince you that he's got a future at the club? Um, I don't think that it will affect youngsters coming to Arsenal because I think what they will see, uh, even if you look at Stokes as an example, or Sidwell, or Harper, or Morris Voltz, for example, that they can come to Arsenal, and even if they don't get through and make it to the Arsenal first team, then they've got a good footballing education and a good uh, kickstart in the game. Uh, there's lots of young Arsenal players that have left the club that will go on and will have you know excellent careers you know, at premiership level and beyond. So I think what they'll look at is, is the bigger picture. If they don't make it at Arsenal, then... They've got enough about them to make it elsewhere. Uh, AD says, I've said it to everyone. I'd like to say to you and every other Arsecast listener, we will regret the sale of Stokes in five years' time. Maybe sooner. He's been the most promising player we've had out of our youth team in years, in my opinion, and that includes Ali Adier. I'm not Irish, so I'm not biased, but I really feel gutted at his sale, and I'm fed up with hearing excuses like there are too many players ahead of him. He won't get his chance. I can't agree with that, and I'd like to have seen him and Lupoli uh, ahead of. I'd like to have seen him ahead of Lupoli and fighting with Bentner for a chance. Okay, that's all well and good. 
and I appreciate you know the the sentiment. And as an Irish guy, I'd love to have seen Stokes made it. But he's got Henri in front of him, Van Persie in front of him, Adebayor in front of him. He's got Forgol Baptista in front of him. Bentner's going to be in front of him. Uh, at the moment, Ali Adier is there. Long term, the plan is for Theo Walcott to play as a striker. So realistically speaking, the best thing for both parties really was a move. And I think he'll go to Sunderland. I think he'll do well better there than going to Charlton. He's got some Irish people around him. And, um, you know, he's going to play, you know, his first years as a professional at a level where he can still learn a lot about the game. Uh, Ali and uh, Volley from Nigeria are asking about Carlos Vela and what's happening uh, happened to him. And they haven't heard too much about him. He is an Arsenal player, but he's on loan at Celta Vigo. But Celta Vigo have too many foreign players uh, this season. So he's gone on loan to uh, the second division team, Salamanca. And so far, he's scored six goals in ten appearances for them. Uh, I think he might be out injured at the moment, but he's doing well. Um, I'm not sure when he'll be eligible to come back to Arsenal. But again, he's somebody that the club might have factored in when they're talking about uh, Anthony Stokes and, and deciding whether or not to let him go. Uh, Arnique says what do you think of Jeremy Aliadier now this is after the Carling Cup game fluke should we not attribute the not half bad performance of Aliadier uh, and Song to a weakened Liverpool side and a ragged Steven Gerrard and John says can I also point out that I disagree with what you said about Aliadier I have attached such a stigma to him uh, that it wasn't until after the game that I realised the weight of his contribution he had a fantastic game true on Tuesday against Liverpool and uh, again it would be churlish to put it down entirely to you know a poor Liverpool team the boy obviously has some talent and Arsene Wenger has often uh, often spoken about him but I just think that you know when he's been given chances in the first team uh, that aren't at Carling Cup level he's done little to convince that he's got uh, you know a future uh, at Arsenal uh, fair play to him for a good performance and again fair play to Alex Song who had a good performance against Liverpool as well but you could say it was about time he did that uh, to me Alex Song uh, as good as his performance was against Liverpool still isn't anywhere near the level that we, we need at Arsenal and, and uh, maybe he'll learn a, a thing or two at our club and move on somewhere else Jerry in Dublin says, having read around the web for the last while, Gunners have become as arrogant as Man United fans with their assumptions about the players we have. Given the, uh, the imminent departure of the much-heralded Lupoli and now Stokes, uh, I think it's time we took a reality check. Yeah, I, I, something that we address in the, in the Arscast with Amy is that whether or not there's uh, the danger of, of uh, overhyping the youngsters that we have. But I think what, what definitely is true is that nowadays, as opposed to the likes of uh, Reese Western and uh, was it Brian McGovern and Paolo Vernazza and those sort of young players that people talked about in the same way they talk about the youngsters now, that the youngsters we have now do have a genuine chance uh, to, to make it in the first team at Arsenal. Uh, Sophia says, a question for you. If you could get a new right back, who would you like it to be? Uh, I'm not convinced by Abue. Hoyt to me is a, is a backup player. And uh, Lauren, uh, sadly, it looks like he's going to be on his way, um, having not recovered properly or enough from the knee injury I think we could do a lot worse than take a look at Morris Voltz uh, who loves Arsenal uh, loved his time at Arsenal still talks about the club with great fondness and you know has got plenty of premiership experience now he's still only 24 or 25 um, I think he could be a very very good player he'd be one of the ones that I'd be you know quite happy to take back Angus says, uh, I'd like to think of the uh, academy uh, as a training school business where the Arsenal first team has the pick of the youngsters. Those who don't make it uh, get loaned out and sold on. And that goes to pay for the cost of running the academy, which is true, which is something that Amy talks about. And Matthew in London says, Seb Larson is better than... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And Alex Song. Maybe we should only let Birmingham have Seb if they promise to take Song as well. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think Larson showed a lot of promise. Um, maybe he's not quite at the level that, that we would need at Arsenal, but then neither is Alex Song. So it's uh, it's a bit, some of the manager's decisions are, are a little bit strange at times. Uh, right, I flew through those, um, and those were your questions. If I didn't get a chance to answer yours, I'm very sorry, but hopefully, like I said, your your question has been answered elsewhere. Now then, we'll take a break from young players, and it's time to educate and inform you. Uh, the man in the bar is here with another player history, and this week, it's Glenn Helder. Well, Glenn Helder, after he joined Arsenal in 1995, around the time when everything was going terribly wrong. At that stage, poor old George Graham was fucking useless. God bless his soul. Minute silence for George. I said a minute silence for George Graham, yes, cunts! Anyway, uh, Glenn Helder, he signed from 1980s pop band Five Star. And he had lovely, shiny hair. But the shiny hair didn't do him an awful lot of good in the Premiership, you see. Uh, because he'd try and take the dance moves that served him so well in the pop group. They didn't work at all. A bit of an old shimmy here, a shuffle there, two-step the other way. Generally ended up with him falling over his snot and the other lot getting the ball. I remember one game, I think it was against Queen's Park Rangers. Anyway, he was bombing down the wind doing an old uh, hokey-cokey. And along to the pitch came an ocelot that had been escaped from London Zoo. And that's how bad Glenn Helder was. He was tackled by an ocelot who went up the field and scored. Uh, we lost that game about 7-1, I think, if I remember correctly, which I do, because I've got the brain, you know. Anyway, uh, after he retired from football, he got in a bit of an old depression. Tried to kill himself. Tried to shoot himself, in fact. But he missed the true story. Nowadays, he works in an Indian restaurant in Rotterdam, where he puts the Josh in the Rogan Josh. It's true. There you go, the man in the bar. We'll be back next week with another player history. I hope you're finding them very uh, useful and informative. Now, in what is turning into a fairly epic arsecast so far, it's time for part two of this week's blog chat with Amy Lawrence. Uh, now she goes on to talk about, uh, or we go, well, she really does most of the talking, in fairness, uh, which is grand. Suits me fine, I have to tell you. Um, she talks about the work that the uh, the team, Liam Brady's team, etc., do. And also we talk about... Uh, Thierry Henry, Julio Baptista's contribution to the uh, to the win against Liverpool, and also which youngster she feels might be uh, hitting the first team sooner rather than later. So here's part two of this week's blog chat. I think not just Arsene and his staff, but also Liam Brady and his staff deserve enormous amount of credit for, I believe, um, creating over the last few years the most sophisticated youth development system in England. Um, the evidence wasn't just there on the pitch on, on uh, uh, Tuesday night against Liverpool. The evidence is also in the fact that you can go with a reserve team and do that while you've actually got 
three of the most talented young teenage strikers, all on loan, all in double figures for the season in Bentner, Lupoli and, and Stokes up till recently. All of those players would have probably been in with a shout, one might have thought, ahead of Ali Adier uh, had they still been at the club because they've got extremely high potential. Um, the fact that Arsenal have all these graduates of their academy earning terrific careers in the Premiership like the Volters, the Bentleys, uh, the Sidwells and so on. Highly respected players at their clubs is also a great credit to this system. I don't think that if you look at the production line coming from any of the equivalent clubs, i.e. Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, that they've got anything remotely close to what Arsenal have done in the last few seasons in terms of developing their own players. Um, and I think it's it's really something that the, that the club deserves to feel very proud of itself for because it's very nice that Arsenal goes and plays on its day tremendous football and has a reputation for that. But to be um, producing consistently terrific players uh, on the whole with very good temperament um, is it, something truly exceptional. And in fact, it's not just something that they're doing in England better than most, but they're doing probably in Europe better than most. Mm. You know, over the last few seasons, we've actually seen young players uh, being given a chance and they've, they've all, you know, had the quality to, to step up to the plate. They can't all make it, though. Obviously, there's going to be, uh, you know, um, a sort of a runoff of, of players who, who get to the fringes of the first team. Are there any, you know, that you particularly would, would have doubts about? I'm looking specifically at, at someone like Abue at the moment that uh, that drives me mad. I don't know how you feel about him. He's obviously got a talent as a footballer, but there's just uh, there seems to be an unwillingness on his part to, to cut out the, the parts of his behaviour that to me, you know, don't represent the way that Arsene wants to play. Um, we look at the, the Liverpool game at the weekend I thought he put us under ridiculous pressure for no good reason at all. I don't know that he was you know injured how do you see him I think the main thing that you look for with a young player apart from the fact that obviously he's got to have good technique and the the right kind of physical shape to cope with top level football is will he and can he learn and I think that was for example the the, the problem for players like Pennant who didn't really learn um, enough during his spell at the club and there have been a few others in, that fall into that camp and for me the big question mark about Ebway is is he learning now he's learned certain aspects of his game i.e. crossing and being more efficient going forward but I'm still not convinced he's learned enough defensively um, and I, I think that there's quite often a lot of damage that comes down that flank because he goes missing and his concentration is not up to it so he's got to learn on that front and obviously, attitude-wise, he has to learn because the, the theatrics has been a part of his game from day one. Now, he's not a teenager anymore. He's 23. And you have to, at some point, you ask yourself, is a player going to learn or, or is he just beyond that? And I think the big, the big worry for Eberway is that he's really not shown signs of learning in a couple of key areas, i.e. the basic sense of positioning uh, as a defender and um, this attitude problem so I would say I would say he's obviously got you know a, a lot about him and not for nothing was 
he talked about by a lot of people all over world football for the way that he handled coming into a team with an amazing European Cup run last season. So he's not uh, a waster, he's not useless, but he has got a couple of major weaknesses that if he's going to be a top, top player in the long term, need to be ironed out. And if they can't be ironed out, then I guess you have to look elsewhere. I don't think Arsenal's ready to discard him quite yet, but I get the feeling he's probably on his last few warnings. Um, it's it's a bit of a problem position, isn't it? Because, um, you know, for me, Justin Hoyt is, is a good player, but he's a good sort of a backup player. I wouldn't, you know, class him as, as uh, immediately first team. What about uh, Correa Gilbert out on loan at Cardiff? Has he got a future at the club and, and is he the guy that can put pressure on Ibue? Because uh, from this morning's papers, it looks like Laren is, is on his way, sadly, which is a, a bit of a shame. Gilbert's still got, I think, uh, um, quite a bit to prove, uh, and I suspect he'll come back from his, his loan, rather, as Justin Hoyt did last year, and see how how that goes. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that that Gilbert is going to be much different a player to Justin Hoyt. I might be wrong, but I think they're possibly on the same kind of level. Uh, I think Justin's done well, and I think he's improving. He is improving when I talk about improving and le- how much can you learn. I think he is learning. Um and I wouldn't give up on him yet. This is his first real season in the in the big time. Um, he's still 19, uh, and I think he's he's come on okay. I think he's more solid uh, and dependable on the whole. But it is a, you said it's a problem position. I also think left back's a problem position yeah. because I'm not convinced that Clichy is ever going to quite get to the those levels that, that are required to be a top top player. And again, I I would probably see him as a very nice second choice left back but I don't know if he's still got a bit of convincing to do for me to show that he's going to be the real deal but actually I do think Traore has got that potential um, and in another couple of years or so he he may well be ready to to really shine Okay, any hidden gems? I mean I think the in these days of you know, internet and and so many websites that everybody's sort of aware of. You know, all the all the young players that we have. Is there anybody in particular that you think is going to be able to make the the step up quite quickly into the into the first team and, and stay there on a regular basis? Well, I would probably actually back Traore for that. And and the other one who I think is a very very interesting question. I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. Is Bentner when he comes back from Birmingham? Um, because he's really been someone that, that they've talked about for a while at, at the club, I think, uh, as, as being someone who can make the grade. Um, and it, it, it's how he copes with taking his chances when they come and making himself uh, uh, an indispensable member of the first-team squad. Um, so I'd say those two are perhaps the next most ready uh, and further down the line, what's exciting is there's some terrific players at an even lower level. And the three boys who were on the bench, he didn't uh, get to come on. Um, you have uh, Henry Lansbury going up to Anfield. He's not even a youth player. He's a, he's a schoolboy. What position is he playing? He's a central midfield player. Right. Um, and likewise, Mark Randall plays in central midfield and is a player that um, uh, I think Arsenal particularly has a fancy towards and uh, he was training a lot with the first team in the summer and and has made quite an impression he's quite a gifted passer of the ball not that dissimilar to a a young Sesk Uh, he sprays long balls as well as lovely short passes and and he's got a a nice future Um, 
he needs to develop a bit more personality. But at 16 or 17, then you hope that that can evolve. Um, and I think there's some even younger players that that I hear hear names of that have also got a good chance. So, and there's Fran Marido who came over from Spain, uh, following in the footsteps of Fabregas, who uh, I think is uh, is developing nicely, along with a boy called uh, Nasser Barazite, who's Dutch, who I think also has uh, been showing a lot of promise in the youth te- in the youth team and. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I think the the boys go up for the FA Youth Cup to play at Hull, and um, it would be really nice to see if the next step down, the juniors can emulate what the seniors have been doing and go on another cup run. Okay, excellent. All right, well, just final question today. We'll leave, we'll leave the youth alone for the moment. Um, Thierry Henry has come back into the side. Um, he looks like the rest, and whatever else has happened has, has done him some good, doesn't he? I was I was told um, that during his rest, when he was working very hard at the training ground and 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 effectively going through the pre-season that he didn't really have, that there was something in his personality and desire that really kicked off, and that he was behaving in such a way around the camp where you could really feel tangibly um, a new sense of determination and a real fire in his belly to come back and. And do well, and perhaps make up for what has what was a frustrating start, start to the season, not just for uh, for the team and, and and for the fans, but for him as well. I think he felt probably pretty ropey to be uh, not able to perform with his usual sort of speed and, and verve. Um, the goal against Liverpool was so pleasing to see because I think that was a, a, uh, the perfect manifestation of that that new character that I think he's he's got back of just you know it was it was vintage Thierry really um and I thought that even though he had a quietish game that he still had that uh room if you want to just suddenly go into overdrive and produce the killer moment was uh was a real uh boost not just for Arsenal but for Thierry as well and I'm hopeful that uh it's going to be the springboard for a, a superb second half of the season. I think the next month's going to be interesting to see how he builds on that. And he still doesn't look like he's got the absolute full speed um, in his, going, for, going full pelt, uh, moving again. But we will see that as he gets uh, a few more games under his belt. And the other thing that, that's encouraging and incredible after scoring four goals that we haven't mentioned him yet, when you look at what Baptista has to offer now that he's shown what he can do in, in England, the attacking options suddenly look unbelievable because earlier on in the season when Henri's just about to be out and everybody's scratching their heads and thinking, oh, where are they going to goals, goals come from and how's it going to be? Well, you've got an Henri that looks refreshed. You've got an Adebayo that prior to his uh, injury looked absolutely undroppable. You've got Van Persie who's the top scorer in the club. And Baptista, and now it looks like he's got a position. If you, if you actually analyse his performance, uh, which improved as the game went on, which was a good thing. Mm. Um, yeah, he was, wasn't wasn't that imposing in the first twenty minutes, and then once he came to life, it was it was like flick of a switch. He, he, the, the fact that he scored such different goals. I mean, we've seen him score a, a fantastic bullet header in the Hamburg game. We've seen him score an amazing free kick. 
yesterday, and yeah. that was a brilliant free kick. Uh, we've seen him score um, a couple of, you know, classic Arsenal sort of like right time, almost fox in the box goals, to be yeah. honest, where he just found that found that bit. Of, but and the and the goal from long range was brilliantly drilled, and that showed an amazing variety to his game. Just one last thing, just to mention about the Liverpool performance is. I think when I, when, I, when I saw the team, it looked to me like a 4-5-1 with uh, perhaps Ali Adier playing wide and Baptista on his own up front. And I thought, oh, where are the goals going to come from? But it was probably uh, quite important to see that there was no question that it was a 4-4-2. And what a difference away from home when Arsenal go and sort of try and take the team to take the game to, to the opposition. Yeah, yeah, agreed fully. It's, I, think it's really still, nice. I still think there's a place for the four-five-one, and I think especially when you consider how terrifically it worked in some of the European games last season, I wouldn't discard it at all. But on the whole, domestically, it's certainly um, putting all the impetus back onto Arsenal rather than giving it to the opposition. And the fact that Arsenal is prepared to now go and do that in the last two quite important cup games with both his his versions of the team is, uh, is an interesting one. Amy, thanks a million. We've got about half an hour of stuff here, so um, it'll keep people listening. Thanks a lot for, for taking the time. Anytime. Take care. Thank you very much to Amy Lawrence for her time and her insight into the youth side of things at Arsenal. Um, whatever you might feel about the team at the moment, I think yeah, you have to admire the way the club has has decided to go down a certain route and, and stick with that. Um, maybe some short-term pain for, for long-term gain. Okay, as you know, the Arsblog Arscast is not the only Arsenal podcast. There's also one on Arsenal.com, which is the official Arsenal podcast sponsored by O2. As it's the official podcast, they, of course, have all the resources of the club behind them. They have unrivaled access to the players and to the manager. So what should we make of this from the podcast, the official podcast, uh, which was previewing the Carling Cup game against Liverpool? Have a listen. Coming up on this edition of the show. We talk to Robert Senderos as the Swiss defender reflects on the fantastic win over Liverpool in the FA Cup. Robert Senderos? Well, anybody can make a mistake. I've made mistakes. We all make mistakes. It's how you cope and how you learn from making mistakes uh, that sets you apart from, from the amateurs. Well, I mean, surely it couldn't happen again, could it? Certainly not in the same show, no? Arsenal's win over Liverpool in the FA Cup saw Robert Senderos put in one of his best displays of the season. My God, twice. Robert Senderos. Who the hell is this guy? Uh, anyway, I mean, I'm sure the guy, he couldn't possibly have made the same mistake three times. Could he? Ahead of tonight's match against Liverpool, Robert Senderos believes that the win over Rafa Benitez's side in the FA Cup will give Arsenal plenty of impetus to repeat the trick in the Carling Cup. That is pretty much unforgivable, isn't it? Considering the fact that, number one, his name is Philippe. Number two... The bloke, obviously, I had to uh, go back and edit this. And number three, he was standing there talking to him. Surely the least you can expect from the bloke doing the official Arsenal podcast is that he knows the players' names. Next week, he'll be talking to Trevor Adibayor and, and Colin Baptista. Shame on you, Arsenal podcast guy. Shame on you. Uh, my thanks to Phil for the heads up on that one because, you know, I don't listen to the Arsenal podcast. You know, shit. Right then, Arsene Wenger-Hawkins is here, and uh, this week he's been upset by 
by a BBC commentator. Here he is. Hello, Arscast listeners. This week I would like, very briefly, to complain about Mark Lawrenson. Why does the BBC insist on employing this hairdresser to commentate on football? He sounds like he'd much rather be commentating on the Mr. Universe contest. It was hell to have to put up with him during the FA Cup game against Liverpool. He thinks he is so funny. Well, he isn't. Someone falling off a roof is funny. Luis Garcia snapping his ligaments is funny. Jersey Dudex goalkeeping is funny. But Mark Lawrenson is about as funny as getting the plague while Harry Hill does five hours of stand-up comedy in front of you on the very day you leave your shotgun at home. Lucky for me I have torpedoes built into my wheelchair for such an emergency. I have to say, if I was commentating alongside Lawrenson, I would take the opportunity to kill him. I would say, so, Mark, what did you think of that last back passage of play? When he opened his mouth to answer I would throw in a specially made cyanide donut that I would have cooked up at home. As it takes some seconds for cyanide to work, he'd be trying to make some kind of joke, so it would sound like, well, Arsene Wenger Hawkins, it was a bit like watching a, ack, 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 blurg, just to make sure I would smash his head off the desk a bit, like this. Take that you fucking bastard. Maybe now you'll shut up for a while. I think he would learn his lesson then. I guarantee he wouldn't be cracking too many more stupid jokes after that. Oh no. Thank you, Arsene Wenger Hawkins. He'll be back next week as usual on the Arsecast. That's just about it on this uh, especially extended edition, which comes to you, you'll be happy to know, at no extra cost. What a guy I am. The last thing we have for you, as usual, is our bet of the week, brought to you by bluesquare.com. That's www.bluesq.com. Uh, this week, Simon Wolf says, After a fantastic week, Arsenal head up to Ewood Park to take on a rapidly improving Blackburn side, desperate for revenge after their 6-2 mauling at Ashburton Grove a couple of weeks ago. However, the beast has been unleashed, and after four goals at Anfield, two from long distance, he can be backed at 9-1 to one to score at any time from outside the area against Blackburn. And last Last week, Blue Square paid out over £3,000 on the bet of the week last week on the Arscast, which is for Arsenal to qualify from uh, both cup competitions. So don't miss out on this week's bet of the week. 9-1 to one for Batista to score from anywhere uh, from outside the area against Blackburn on Saturday. And don't forget, if you haven't got a Blue Square account, you can sign up uh, by clicking on the link on the Arsblog homepage. And uh, it does mean a little bit to Arsblog uh, when you make a bet or two. So uh, go with it that way. So that's it. Another Arscast done and dusted. Thank you to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk for their sponsorship. And uh, there'll be another one next Friday. Until then, have a good weekend. Come on, the lads, and uh, talk to you then. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.